Good morning, church family. How are we doing? We are continuing our series through 1 John, so go ahead, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're working our way backwards through the book. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Feel free to use the table of contents. Those little letters in the back can be kind of hard to hit. You know, you just go right, right over them. I want to take time just to welcome every single one of you. It's so good to see you, especially if you're visiting with us. We just want to welcome you to Harpeth Heights. And it's so good to be gathering around God's word this morning, worshiping him through prayer, through song, and through the preaching of his word. If you don't know me, my name is Steve Wilkinson. I get to be the student minister slash pastoral resident here. And so we got to get going because last time I preached for 40 minutes, I got in trouble. So let's... uh, (laughs) I'm just, I didn't get in trouble, but they made sure to tell me that I preached for 40 minutes. <laughs> All right. So how many of you are struggling with the feeling that you're not doing enough for God? How many of you are struggling with the feeling that you're not doing enough for God? And the enemy and our flesh is telling us that. God's love for us depends on how much we do for him. On the day that we spend an hour with him, he loves us more than the day that we don't spend with him because we don't feel like it or we're tired or we don't have time. Or maybe in a season of your life, you were sharing the gospel a lot and you were making disciples. But now maybe you're not sharing the gospel enough or making disciples like you feel like you should. And in the seasons where you were sharing the gospel a lot, God loved you more in that fruitful season than he does now. I am believing that I'm going to lose God's affection on me because I'm not doing enough to prove that he saved the right person. Or I need to be better so that God will love me more or will delight in me more. Like, look, God, look at all I am doing for you. Like, please love me. So we go to church in fear. I better go or God might not be pleased with me. Or he won't love me as much. So instead of us going to worship and enjoy God, we go to just please God. As long as I give up an hour of my Sunday, then I can feel good because God is pleased. But is this what following Jesus is supposed to look like? Or maybe you keep falling into sin and you think God's love for you depends on how you flee temptation. God loves you more when you flee temptation and prove your salvation. So I better not sin or else God won't love me as much. So now we're following Jesus like it's a rule book of do's and don'ts and Let's see how close to the edge we can get without displeasing God. But is this what following Jesus looks like? In Titus chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Paul tells slaves to be faithful to their masters so that they may adorn in the teachings of God. Like, may we follow Jesus and adorn in his teachings rather than see them as burdens. God, he wants us to spend our lives delighting in him. 
Jesus wants us to spend our lives loving him above all other things and following him to get him alone. And so how do we do that? We continuously preach the grace of God. In our Sunday gatherings, in our small groups, in our outreach ministries, to ourselves daily, we preach the grace of God to ourselves. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we see, we see that God's love is not earned, but it is freely given. And we trust in his great love for us and we delight in it and we rest in it. And so the question that I want to ask this morning is this. Do we have to earn God's love? Do we have to earn God's love? And many of you are probably saying no. I know what the scriptures say. It's freely given. But how many of us are living? How many of us are living like God's love is earned? We live like God's love for us is on a sliding scale. When we do good, it goes up. When we do bad, it goes down. And so today I want to show you in God's word that his love is not earned. It is not on a sliding scale, but his love is freely given by his grace. And so we're going to look at two ways why God's love is not earned. And then we're going to end with one plea. And so let's just pray because my words will be feeble at best in helping us see the great love that God has for us. And so God, I I just pray that you will open up our eyes and open up our hearts, open up our minds to see and to know the great love that you have for us. And Holy Spirit, Help us to see, help us to know, help us to believe that God's love is not earned, but it is freely given. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, let's read it together. I think it's going to be on the screen. Let's read it together. You ready? We love because he first loved us. One more time. You ready? We love because he first loved us. I hope we were in sync there. I can't really hear up here. (laughs) What a verse. We love because he first loved us. So the first reason why God's love is not earned, because we cannot earn God's love. Because we are sinful. We see it right here in our text. So notice what it says here. It says, we love. We here is referring to followers of Jesus. And so who do followers of Jesus love? They love God and they love their brothers and sisters in Christ. But then you come to this word because. We love because God first loved us. So get the picture here. The way this sentence is ordered is significant. We do not love God first. We do not love our brothers and sisters in Christ first. God loves us first. We cannot love God or love 
people first. We cannot love God or love people first. Some of you may be asking that. Why can't we love first? Because we can't love God first. We can't love God or love people the way that God commands us to love in our own strength. We can't do it. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through four. In this passage, Paul is warning Timothy that difficult times are coming ahead. Why? Because of sinful people. Listen to what these sinful people look like. Timothy, know this. Hard times will come in the last days for people. Why will hard times come? Because of people. For people will be lovers of God. No. Listen. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so notice the sin of self-love. Notice the sin of loving pleasure. Notice the sin of loving money above all other things. Notice the hatred for people. And the reality is, this is all of us. This is you and this is me. All sinful people before God who ultimately love ourselves above all other things. So we can't love God or people apart from Jesus because in our fallen, sinful nature, we only love ourselves. And the underlining failure to all of humanity is our disobedience towards the great commandments that Jesus has given us. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38, Jesus is asked by a Pharisee, teacher, Which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered with, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So feel the weight of this. We are commanded by Jesus to love God with all that we are. Notice how Jesus said all. He didn't say try to love God with what you can. He says love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is what God is worthy of, all of our love, all of your love. He deserves nothing less. We then are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. Who are our neighbors? Anybody we come in contact with. So we can never uphold these commands on our own. They're too heavy to bear. Do we really think we can earn God's love? He demands holy perfection. First Peter chapter 1, 16, God commands, be holy for I am holy. Because we have all 
turned and rebelled from God to love ourselves over ultimately loving him, the Bible calls this sin. We have belittled God's glory. And that is a great sin because God's ultimate desire in all the world is to be glorified. And is for his glory to be worshipped and honored and enjoyed among all the nations in all the world. And because we have done this, belittled his glory, we deserve God's rightful punishment. That is all we deserve. Eternal punishment for our rebellion against God. We don't deserve God's love. We deserve only his punishment. May this truth humble us before God. Like, who are we? What is a human being that you remember him, God, Psalm 8? Do you feel the weight of that? And if God did nothing to save us, he would be completely righteous and just for doing so. A price must be paid for our sins. And that price is too much for us to pay. We can't pay it. We cannot pay it with trying to love God and love people and do good things. That could never pay the debt that we owe to God for belittling his glory. And the reality is that we can never love the way that God commands for his glory. I went to the movies a couple of uh, weeks ago and I watched Bad Guys. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Everything I'm going to say, you can see it in the trailer. So, uh, Yeah, there's about this wolf. It's animated. Big bad wolf. His gang is a bunch of bad guys who rob banks. Anyways, there's this character in there who is the good citizen. He's the best citizen in all the city. He does all these great things. He donates to all these charities. He's really kind. And he says this to the wolf. When you are good, you are loved. When you are good, then you're loved. When you, good, when you do good things, then you are loved. When you are bad, you are not loved. Now, what if our text today said this? First John chapter 4, verse 19. We first must love. Then God will love us. We first must love. Then God will love us. This is how most of us live. I must do to earn. That's what's natural for us humans. We do to earn. What if we had to be good in order to be loved? What if we had to love first? We'd be doomed after all we just went through. But there is good news. And this leads to our second point. This leads to our second point. You do not have to earn God's love. You do not have to earn God's love because he chooses to love you by his grace. So first, we can't earn God's love. 
But the good news is we don't have to earn God's love because he chooses to love you by his grace. Look at what it says in our text. We love because God first loved us. He loved us first. My buddy Truett Ross, other resident, is preaching at Lachlan, uh, Lachlan Springs right now. I feel like that's wrong right now at this time. But he puts it this way. He said, God made the first move. He made the first move. Praise God. That's good news. The dating scene in our culture is changing. Now the advice is for girls to pursue. You make the first move. Guys won't do it. Or why wait? If you like them, go. Now, I'm not here to say that's right or wrong or talk about dating. But I think that it's a pretty good illustration of how we think about approaching a relationship with God. We must make the first move. We must first love God. And then we then he will be pleased with us and love us. That's what all other religions in the world sees it like. God is at the top of the mountain and they must find a path to God on top of the mountain. Even as followers of Jesus, we struggle with feeling like we have to earn our way to God up the mountain. We won't admit it, but we live like it. But the reality is that we cannot make our way up the mountain. We cannot make the first move to God. We can't do it. But the gospel message is that God has come down the mountain to take us up with him. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you fall into the trap of feeling like you must earn God's love or feel like his love is on a sliding scale, then wake up and see the beauty that you are already at the top of the mountain. Enjoy the few. Enjoy being there with God. Enjoy being there with Jesus. See the beauty of it. That through faith in Jesus, you are at the top of the mountain. And God cannot love you more or less because he already loves you fully. The whole gospel message rests in the truth that God has loved us first. So, I want to ask two questions from the truth that God first loved us. The first question, what does it mean that God has loved us first? What does this mean? God loving us first simply means this, that he chooses to love us by his grace. God loves us first. He made the first move. He initiated our relationship before we ever loved him. And while we hated him and only wanted ourselves, God loved us and chose to love us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 5 says this, For he, God, chose us. Do you hear the language? He chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. We did not choose God. He chose us even when we were sinners and under his rightful wrath. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So see it this morning. As followers of Jesus, 
before you were even born, God loved you. And he chose you as his sons and daughters. While you were sinners, God loved you and chose you and sent Jesus to die for you. That is beautiful. And some of you may struggle with God's love because you say, how could God ever love me? I don't deserve his love. I've done messed up things. You're right. You're right. We do not deserve God's love. But that's the whole point of the gospel. He doesn't have to love you. He chooses to love you for his glory and your joy. Moms, when you were pregnant, dads, when you were expecting, you loved that child before they were ever born. You did not wait to see if they would first love you. No, you loved that child the second you knew they were coming. You didn't know yet what their personalities were going to be. You didn't know if they were going to be good at sports or smart in school. No, you love them fully. And your love for them does not depend on the day. You might get frustrated with them. You might have to discipline them in love, but your love does not change for them. And the same in a much greater way is true of you and me with God. Parents, if you love your kids so much, how much greater do you think God loves his children? The one who is holy and perfect and righteous. So see the picture this morning. God chose you. You did not choose him. He made the first move despite all of your mess and sin. And he chooses you daily. Even in your mess, he chooses to love you daily. For this brings him glory to save a sinful people. This brings him glory to save a people who will worship him and enjoy him for eternity. And Jesus, he delights when sinners come to him and admit their need for him. He is gentle with sinners. And so this leads to our second question. How has God loved us first? What does this look like? Oh, see this. First John chapter four, verse nine says this. God's love was re- revealed among us in this way. So this is how God has loved us first. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God has showed his love for us ultimately through the gospel. How has God loved us first? He sent his son, Jesus, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might live through him. And so the gospel message is this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, then listen up. God has come himself in the flesh as his son, Jesus, to pay the debt himself that he demands for the world's sin on the cross. And he has come to defeat sin and death by rising from the dead. Jesus is alive. 
And God promises that all those who repent and turn and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord alone, that your sins will be forgiven and you will be restored back to God to enjoy his love for eternity. That is good news. And so our sins of not being able to love God and love others like he commands, Jesus paid the price for them. Our sin for belittling God's glory, Jesus paid the price for them. Our rebellion against God to turn and love ourselves, Jesus paid the price for them on the cross for good. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I urge you to repent and trust in Jesus. So listen, God does not love us because Jesus died for us. God sent Jesus to die for us because he loves us. For God so loves the world that he sent his one and only son. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. So this language of remain is salvation language. Through faith in Jesus, our sins are now forgiven and Jesus remains in us or he lives in us. And we remain in Jesus or We live in Jesus. The good news is that we are united with Jesus. And so look at verse 16 now. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Because God has made the first move to love us and sent Jesus to die for us, we can now know and believe the love that God has for us. Because of what Jesus did, we can now know and believe the great love that God has for us. And this should be the greatest joy of our lives, that we get to know that God loves us. We get to believe that God loves us and we in turn get to love him. This should be the greatest delight of our lives to live in a loving fellowship with the God of the universe, our father in heaven, the one who has created us to know him, the one who is holy and perfect. And when our eyes see him, we can't help but to worship and praise him. We get to know him. We get to know his love, that he loves us and delights in us. We can now enjoy, can now enjoy God's great love because of his grace to love us first. Oh, followers of Jesus, like, hear my plea this morning. May you know the great love that God has for you. And stop trying to live like you must earn his love. Or that you need to earn his love. Or that his love is on a sliding scale. Or his love depends on how much you do for him. You can't earn it. You didn't earn it to begin with. You did nothing in yourself to make God love you and save you through Jesus. He made the first move. He gets the glory. It's by his grace. He chose to love you first 
and to show his love through Jesus. And because he loved you first, he will keep loving you. Like, stick your stake in that. Like, bet your life on that, that he will keep loving you. Even when you don't have it all figured out. None of us do. Even when you keep sinning and messing up, God loves you all the fiercer. Keep running to him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So may you taste the great love that Jesus has for you. His love is never ending. It will never run out for you. His love is deeper than the ocean. It will never run dry for you. So swim in it. Live in it. Remain in it. Taste it daily. Know it. Believe it. Stop running from it. Stop holding your arm out towards it. Or stop holding it at arm's length. Dane Orland in his book Deeper puts it this way. Parents, if your kids held your love at arm's length, it would hurt you. So enjoy God's love for you and delight in it for his glory. God loves us. He loves you. This is no small news. This is the greatest news in all of the world. Do we believe this? Let's pray.